So first thing first, Ariel, how are you? I'm doing good. I got my little snow hat on. It's snowing outside. I'm happy. It's chill. Excellent. Um, before we get into the new record, I'd like to jump back to a couple of years ago. Now, you wrote a book. And well, first of all, what made you want to write these thoughts down? So I have a lot to say in my life. I feel like <laughs> I'm always trying to shove more words in. I talk quickly. You know, I always feel like this huge pressure to get my voice out in the world and make an impact in my short years that I'm alive, that I get to be a human, <laughs> which is very intense and really intense. Um, but I, I would speak to our fans one-on-one -on -one after the shows, or I'd be, you know, in the DMs online talking to people. And I felt like there were so many people that needed love and, and learn, learn how to stop hating themselves. And that was a journey that I'd been on. Once I started sharing more publicly, the effects of learning to unhate myself, it really resonated with people. And I was like, mm. I can't just write a song about this. I have to be a little bit more literal and concrete and really like share. These are the steps that have, have helped me. And it felt kind of selfish to not share that because our music is dark sometimes. And I don't want to sure. just put out dark music and then leave people hanging. That feels irresponsible, <laughs> you know? So it was, it just kind of organically came. I taught a class on warp tour with the same name and then okay. I, you know, people started asking for it. So I made them a book. Because what I find interesting is like you say, you've always wanted to, to share your story and kind of get thoughts onto paper, even with songwriting. So, so if you go back way to the beginning, what was the first kind of thing that you, that you thought, well, I need to get my thoughts out in some creative way. What a great question. What I don't know if it was the first, but what was the most urgent mm. was this feeling of, holy shit, I am being eaten alive from the inside. My brain is trying to kill me. I was very depressed. I hated my life. I just I was so disappointed to get to 12, 13, 14 and be like, this is the human experience. You know, I thought it was so bad. So then I was journaling frantically, okay. like obsessively journaling is really where I started writing from. And then then I was like, wait a minute, I need to turn this into actual art, you know? Because there, there's a, obviously every medium has its own kind of quality. So mm -hmm. writing things down is, is one thing, but then performing them, uh, them and actively getting that energy out, what did that do for you? It was very... It was like I'd been waiting my whole life for it. You know, when we first played our first couple shows, I was like, oh, here it is. Like, this is that expression. It's not locked up in me or in my journals anymore. It's a dialogue, a conversation with other humans in the room. Mm. And people who don't get the chance to play live because they're just artists on YouTube or, or just Spotify artists, like, that's wonderful. But they might sure. be missing out on some of that potential human connection and like that raw, fierce power that happens when we share. You know, singing is like one of the earlier forms of communication that we have as a society, one of the most powerful ones that we express our emotions with. Um, and that's been really healing for me to kind of purge it and get it out. Yeah. And that connection with people, uh, how much do you miss it now? <laughs> Thanks so, for the so, reminder. So, 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 sorry to bring us down. I know I miss it. And I, I try not to think about it, but sometimes I'll go on YouTube and look at old videos of us performing and cry. Okay. okay. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> Because what, what, is the, what is that like, especially early on, when you, you write something down uh, that, that's bothering you, you, you create something beautiful out of it, or at least that's, that's the attempt, you try to write a song. And then, like you say, people can find something in what you wrote, in what you made. What was yeah. that kind of realization like? Did it, did it shift the way you write? 
Maybe. Uh, I think that was my hope very strongly from the beginning because I was on the other side of the equation as a teenager. I was very Mm -hmm. impacted by music. And so I knew that it worked. I knew that this is how it happened. You know, I knew you share your vulnerable flaws, you you share your weaknesses, you share what's going on in your head, and then other people find you and connect with that. And I was one of those other kids finding it and connecting with it with other bands. So I thought maybe I can do this too, but just reverse it. Maybe I can be the one talking this time and (laughs) getting my crap out. And so that was my hope. Um, And I was really excited when I saw that that was working. Um, I don't know if I was surprised, but I was like, hell yeah, I'm on to something like this is my thing. This is why I'm alive. Who can we pick out maybe one song or one artist that, that uh, holds a special place in your heart then uh, growing totally. up? Totally. It's Linkin Park, 100%. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, which I know is every, me and everybody else in that, you know, generation. It's, it's my time. generation as well. Yeah, we grew, yep. I grew up with it as well. Yeah, that's hybrid theory, 100%. <laughs> But what, what was it about their music, especially at that age, uh, kind of that, that and that's when the teenagers angst comes in those years. Yep. So, so what was it like to, to hear somebody express those, those feelings and, and th- the way they did? It was a revelation. It was like permission that I could have those feelings too. They were giving language to it before I could, you know, even though I'm scribbling it out, I didn't have the language or the self-awareness to be able to eloquently spit that out. They were able to do that. Um, and it was so freeing because I, I still believe that they're one of the more sincere bands on the rock scene. They're to me, I might be, I might be delusional, but <laughs> they're one of those bands that is in it for the love of the music that was creating. They really connected with their fans better than a lot of bands that we've ever seen come through music. You know, <laughs> they just have, they made such a beautiful thing and seem to be doing it. Even now, Mike Shinoda, the way he's doing Twitch streams, he's still sure. making art, collaborating with people. To me, that says that, you know, they were in it from a very like pure place from the beginning. That might not be true, but that's what I like to think. No, but that's, and I, I think that is true because yeah. if, if you look at the the loyalty of their fans throughout the years and even after everything that has happened, I, I, I do definitely think that's true. But it's, if, if you talk about kind of doing it for the right reasons then, and you've been through this whole music industry thing. So, so were you ever tested at that, that idea? Doing it for the wrong reasons? Well, yeah. Were there ever moments where you thought, well, this is not what I wanted to do or that now I'm doing something I don't want to do? Because you did at some point go independent. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think there's many times I can look back and be like, that wasn't right. That wasn't me. I wasn't represented. Most of the times I was represented, but I had to fight so hard sometimes. And that was frustrating. Um, So it it was just like, I had to really struggle and claw to get my voice heard. And it was just too much of a pain in the ass to be doing these emails with the label, trying to get the album cover to look right. And I was like, this is a, this is crazy. Like I should just be able to do it the way I see it in my head. Um, And so it didn't work out for me, but I'd say the thing that surprised me more about the industry is how how hard it is it's been a lot of work we've been at this a really long time i definitely thought we would have an easier time at it by now but i don't really mind like i i get it i get how it works now but i was definitely surprised by how long it's taken to get to this place well that's interesting then because that's a nice segue towards the album then because if we take a a song like warrior which is kind of a song about perseverance and then getting uh, out on the other end and and I i think whenever you accomplish something, it's better if you had to work for it in a way. So, so mm-hmm. is, is that kind of where that song comes from? Yeah, maybe I just, and that's what I heard in it. Yeah, you're right. No, that's the feeling. I was thinking of it when I wrote it a little bit more of like a personal level, okay. but it, it does apply. There's a lot of our songs that can apply in like sure, your personal sure. inner struggles and as a more like metaphor for the larger struggle. Um, 
But yeah, that was definitely a song of feeling like sometimes I wake up and I look around and I'm like, holy crap, like I'm okay. Like I, I'm not, you know, as depressed as I used to be. I don't struggle with anxiety. Like I used to, I still have a lot of struggles, but sometimes I have to remind myself, like I'm at a pretty good spot, like with my life, I'm pretty happy with the person that I am. And that song is that kind of reflection moment where I'm like, damn, it feels good to be a warrior. Like it feels cool to have, have accomplished what I have. And that idea of, of being proud of yourself, and like you mentioned in the beginning, that wasn't always as easy for you uh, as, as it may sound, sound now. Um, but what, what has that process been like for you through, throughout the years? And, and where are you now with that? Because I, I, I assume it's always ongoing, uh, that, that part, fighting yeah. your demons and, and, and being proud of yourself at the same time, kind of. No, you're exactly right. Uh, I had assumed that the better I did in my career, the better my insights would be that naturally some sort of happiness and self-love would follow. And then I was about five years in and we were getting more and more opportunities. And I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> like I'm still depressed. I still hate myself. Like I still had so much self-judgment. I was very critical of myself. Just, just not a happy person. And so when I realized that they were not connected, then I like started working on my internal. And so I was like, the band can grow over here. I'll still focus on that. But there needs to be this other journey that I'm on where I'm, you know, at the time for me, it was reading self-help books. It was doing more intentional journaling where I was processing through old feelings. Um, and that's really what I'm talking about in that book is that transformation that I'm and still on. Did, did you write songs in that time as well that you will never release? I did. Yes. I can't think of any, you know, in particular now, but um, I'm always writing songs. There will always be songs I will never release. Not Because not, I can not imagine. To... Yeah, sorry. I can, I can imagine, especially that it has to come out some way and one form is writing, one form is songs. And even if you don't mean to release them or, or it's, it's just to get those thoughts out, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. That happens all the time. And I like to rem remind myself when I'm writing, I don't have to release this. I don't want to always think with the end in mind. Sometimes I just want it to be about the process. Because what you mentioned earlier, uh, j just now about kind of thinking, well, if my career is here, that's, that's, I'll be happy. Um, once that falls away and, and you kind of start to, to focus on yourself, did, did the songs become, uh, did the songs change in a way? You know, I was actually really scared of them changing. I was terrified that if I got healed up internally, I would have nothing else to share, that my audience would have nothing in common with me, that I'd be like, hi, I'm goodbye. And they'd be like, we can't relate to you. Or I was actually for the longest time, when I was a teenager, I was scared to be one of those like out of tune, happy, mm -hmm. like stupid preppy people. I thought that's what it was. I thought if you were happy, then you weren't in touch with yourself. And so I had to do a lot of like reframing in my mind right. to be like, no, I can be an artist. I can be deep. I can be soulful. I can show up fiercely in the world and I don't have to be miserable doing it the whole time, you know? So I think it was really between our second and our third album that, that really a lot of this happened. And I realized that I can always write from a place of pain because there's more than enough pain all the time. <laughs> like pain doesn't go away. I'm still experiencing pain, but what I'm doing with it is a little different now than what I used to do. And that's kind of the, 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 the reason of the book, right? To, to turn something diff, uh, bad into something positive. And yeah, I believe that you've succe succeeded at that. And especially going independent and, and kind of uh, making these albums with the help of your fans, that must, that must feel amazing that there's so much positive response. It really does. It's the best. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Like every band, if you've got the fan base and, and you want to do it this way, I would highly recommend anyone to go for it. With that, with that in mind, what, what, is the, what is one of the best things you've ever heard from a fan? Oh, uh, 
you know, the things that stick out is there's really the dramatic moments where it's like, you know, a lot of people say you saved my life, which I always, I'm grateful. And I take that, you know, and I put that in my heart, but the truth is they saved their own life. And maybe music was a part of that. And if my music played a small part, fucking awesome. But I mean, I'm really excited when I look at fans that have been in the icon army with us for years and I've watched them change. And, you know, there's a lot of people who would come up to the shows, let's say on warp tour and they would just roll up their sleeves and show up all their scars on their arms. And I'd be like, Oh baby girl, I love you. I see you. You know, then they come back next year and they're like, Hey, like I've stopped doing that. Or they'll share stories of how they've overcome eating disorders or suicidal tendencies, just lots of unhealthy behaviors. And that's when it's like, when I see that the music is almost a part of, of some people's self-care plan, that's so I'm like, that's really cool. Mm. And what I find interesting, and I don't know if this is a, this is a question that has, a, has an easy answer, but when you have all these thoughts, and obviously the, the lyrics are very important, but how do you then form a musical landscape around them that, that kind of go with it or that kind of uh, if you, that conveys the same message? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I always hear it in my head. Like if I'm the one writing it at this piano right here, I hear that the music should be. And then Sean, our guitar player is really good at translating my brain. And so I'll be in the studio telling the producer, I'll be like, it's like this. And he's like, this is what she means. And he will help me get my abstract brain into music speak. Um, so I really appreciate that. Other times though, I will do it opposite and he will make a track and I will write to that. And I will let that emotion match the music that's already there. I find it interesting that you uh, use the word abstract because in terms of kind of musical decisions, is that kind of true as well, where you kind of have an abstract idea of a sound that you want in there or a kind of a feeling? Because I, I hear a lot of the, what I like about your music is that it's very, you can't pin it down. It has elements of a lot of things in it. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you hear that. That's exactly what I want it to be. I want it to be a little just unfocused and all over the place, like something for everyone. And I want it to surprise people. And I want people to be like, if they don't like it by the end of the song, they found something they liked because something is going to hopefully resonate with you, you know? Sure. So yeah, that is abstract. If we go to the record and can we take one song to kind of delve into a little bit and I'll, I'll let you pick one, but, but I, I'll, I can pick one as well. Yeah, you pick. I'm okay. curious what you want to hear about. Yeah. So let's see. Well, let's talk about it because I mentioned the uh, kind of diversity on the record. Let's pick something like Panic Attacks because that, that has a sense of hip hop on it. And then there, there's, I mean, a lot of your songs, it's almost rapping and then there's, there's a lot of elements. So how does a song like that get to be? So that song I wrote like about just like a year ago, upstairs, sitting on my bed. Um, I think I had like a, a drum beat in the background. And, um, and I was wanting to take this really traumatic experience I'd gone through a few months earlier of a really intense panic attack. And I wanted to put that in a song because the, my thoughts were so muddied about it. It was so overwhelming and messy that I was like, mm -hmm. if I can translate this into like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, I can probably work through it a little bit myself. And I don't always like to write that way because sometimes it's not helpful to share that as a song for public consumption. Sometimes it's just for me, but in this case, it worked for both, you know? Um, but yeah, I was writing a story of a panic attack and I love hip hop. I love rapping. I write a ton of my songs that start off as rap and then I'll make them melodic after the fact. But in this case, I just kept it rap. And there's one line, well, well we kind of talked about it, uh, but there's one line that I wrote down from it. It's uh, just the tiniest crack can break you into pieces just like that. And so, so this uh, goes back to kind of that idea that you have to constantly work at it uh, and, and you're never done, right? In a way. Exactly. And in that case, like I find that if I am not taking care of myself internally, I'm really mm -hmm. sensitive and one thing can trigger me and set me off. 
to something as dramatic as like a 2 a.m. panic attack that I want to die from. But if I've been caring for myself and like checking in with myself along the way, that's less likely to happen. And I think on a different level, uh, I don't know, maybe it's different for everybody, but especially during this time of the pandemic, were there things you did to kind of take care of yourself? I mean, eat healthy, those kind of things? Yes, I have been trying to milk this pandemic for all it's worth because I, <laughs> okay. I doubt it'll probably never happen again. And there's so much to be mad about. There's so much. The lack of touring is so frustrating that I really try to No, you're good. <laughs> I try to get some kind of gold out of it. So um I did a bunch of like learning stuff. Like I, I dove into a lot of cooking things. Okay. We started a garden. Uh, I did some painting, but internally I'd say I'm really using this time as practice to not be influenced by like the outside world. I'm not like going out, I'm not hanging mm. out with friends, you know, before maybe I'd go out two or three times a week, I'd go to a restaurant or maybe I'd go sit at a bar with my friends or just do like fun stuff, coffee shops. Without that, I'm just left with my like internal voice. And so it's helping me connect with myself. So mm. I, I think that's cool. And I think this ties into, uh, there's a couple of songs, but especially uh, Waste My Hate, where, where it's, it's, uh, you come to a point where you th it's, it's just not worth it to, to everybody that has an opinion to, to deal with that. So, so when, and again, that's a, that's a gradual thing, but how, how did you kind of find that realization? Yeah, I think social media helped accelerate that realization sure. where, you know, there's a lot of times that it's easy to, be angry at somebody or to feel jealous about somebody or, to, and then you realize you're like, this person is taking up a lot of my brain power right now. And they're not even somebody I care about. Like, mm. if you think of like a world leader that really frustrates you, if you're <laughs> obsessing over what an idiot they are, like that is just draining my energy. I can't show up in the world. Well, I'm not thinking creatively. I'm not taking good care of myself. So like, to me, the ultimate F you to the idiots in the world is to not obsess over them and not have them take up brain space. That's what I've come to realize uh, in the last couple of years that the, the best way to to kind of get back is, a, is the wrong uh, word, I, I guess. But the best way to get back at somebody is just live a good life. And then th that's the best you can do. Yes. And not with the intention of getting back at them, but no, literally exactly. just for you. Yeah. That, that's, why I, that's why I say get back at somebody is not the right phrasing, but the, the kind of to show that you are, you're okay or whatever. Exactly. Uh, last thing then, uh, the words, I, I, don't, I might mispronounce this, amorphous. Amorphous, yep. Amorphous. Mm -hmm. When did you uh, thought this is going to be my album title? So I, I actually didn't think of it alone. I was with my very, my best friend in the world who who's just phenomenal and who like helps me on my inner journey so much. Um, her name is Jess and we were hanging out at my house and looking at photos on Pinterest and we were trying to find a concept that meant growth, death, decay, the whole process. And so we threw out a couple words and she threw out amorphous. It was like, that's so good. She read the description. It, it means, it kind of means nothing. It means without life or form. It, to me, it's like the precursor to becoming something. It's like before mm. the metamorphosis. And I really like that because this album isn't like saying we've got our shit together. Here we are. It's not that it's the whole mess. There's a bunch of range of emotion and amorphous connects with that to me. Last question, and uh, I believe it's going to be released uh, this coming Friday. Um, yes. I'm, I'm sure you're very excited about it. What do you hope people kind of get out of it? Oh, I hope people feel really heard. I hope that they listen to it and they're like, oh, my God, I've had that same thought six months ago, but no one has put a voice to it, you know, and I hope that people are doing what I used to do years ago and look through the liner notes and like look at every little piece and dive into the lyrics or go online and look at the lyrics and find a song that really speaks to them and like this can be their anthem to get them through the rest of COVID. I, I would really like that. 
All right. Ariel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Robin. I appreciate all your great questions. This was awesome. Thank you.